everybody. Welcome to the Curated Podcast. My name is Kendall Becker and I am your host, but I am also a fashion editor and trend forecaster, meaning that I hear a lot of incredible stories throughout my career. Oftentimes, I don't have the perfect fit for these stories, but I knew that they needed to be told. So welcome to the Curated Podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing passion and purpose and curating a life path that is perfect for you, whatever that may look like. Tune in weekly for conversations with global creatives in fashion, luxury, hospitality, wellness, and so much more as we discuss the why in life. And stay tuned for a couple bonus solo episodes as well. Let's dive into this week's episode. so much for coming in and chatting with me. Let's just like kick it off with a quick intro. We'll go around, but yeah, I'm I'm Tanner (laughs) and I'm Fletcher. We're from Tanner Fletcher. We're the co-founders. We're a couple creative directors. We wear every hat. Literally (laughs) every hat. You know, you guys are so amazing. I'm excited to dive into your story too. I feel like we got connected maybe, gosh, like a little over a year ago now at this point. I'm both the Bloomingdale side when I was in office there and then on the editorial side. And it's been really cool just to like learn about first, I mean, your business, then the fashion, then like getting to know both of you a little bit more personally. It's been really amazing just to see how much has grown. But let's kick it off. How did you become partners, roommates, business partners, all the things? Tell me about it. Yeah, we have a pretty, (laughs) we have a pretty cool story. I'm not going to lie with how we met. We, uh, we're going to school at the University of Minnesota and the summer before we started college, we mm-hmm. were on like the Facebook page for the University of Minnesota. Like try- find your roommate. Oh, yes. And um, we just kind of matched up and um, I wasn't out at the time, but um, Fletcher was. Okay. So I was a little bit nervous about that and had to consider being roommates with him because I was just not truly myself yet and was mm-hmm. just a little bit, I don't know, I was a little uncomfortable demure yeah and then ended up um kind of not being able to stop talking and we you know we're we'd facetime for three hours at a time we'd meet up okay just like casual yeah casual roommate conversations three hour facetimes yeah we went on like roommate dates like you you know like when do you do your laundry when do you go to bed like sort of things and it like progressed into more we went to the book of mormon in minneapolis together it was like we were really hitting it off and like the little dinner that we were supposed to have would end up like being like a 24 hour <laughs> date. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm dead. That's, I mean, that's a sign. Yeah. I yeah. feel like my college roommate was like, Hey, you seem cool. Do you maybe want to rush? Like, are you a fashion major? Cool. Yeah. No, it was Slay. not this. <laughs> no. So we're so like, we moved in together. Like, we've never not lived together. Never. Yeah, whole relationship. That's wild. I don't think we've yeah. been apart from each other for more than maybe four or five days at a time. (laughs) And now we just celebrated seven years a couple days ago. Oh my God. Congrats. Thank you. That's a a chunk of time, you guys. It is, especially in gay years. It's (laughs) even more. (laughs) But uh, no, that's really how we we met. And then we ended up uh, being in school there for about a year, year and a half, and then uh, started interning here in New York. Uh, I was at uh, Schubacher, which is a home design uh, textile company. And then Fletcher was at um, Zero Maria Cornejo. Oh, yeah. Like a smaller uh, clothing line. 
and then we ended up just loving it so much we uh, stopped uh, stopped attending the University of Minnesota and moved here like two months later. <laughs> okay, absolute mood. Yeah. yeah. I Are you guys from the Midwest? We are. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Minnesota, Wisconsin. Okay, I'm Chicago area. Oh, okay, oh, wow. nice. Yes, and then I went to school at Kent State in Ohio. Okay. Oh. But like also totally get the... I did two years at Kent and I was like, I need to get out of here. Took 10 million credits to graduate early and then did the rest of school in New York. So I okay. get the sentiment of, that's, okay, this is great and all, but like. That's basically what we did too, yeah. Stone. Yeah, yeah. Once I feel like you get a taste of New York, it's hard to then like walk away. It is. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah. spent the summer here and immediately we're like, okay, we're moving back. We went back to Minnesota for like a few months, packed our things moved back mm-hmm. immediately. And it was like our parents' biggest nightmare that we wouldn't come back and <laughs> it and, came true. <laughs> yeah, like you're right. There is like, I don't know, I feel like being from the Midwest, like even if it's not a place that's particularly judgy, it's also still not like furthering you of in the way of when you get to New York and you're like, the creative sparks are going off. You're in these environments. And, like, right. Your creativity is, is so like appreciated here yes. versus more like, I never felt, like, like, shunned from my creativity, but it was more just, like, you know, it it could only reach a certain point. You could only push so many boundaries. Yeah, there's, like, boxes that you're stuck in, I feel like. Or everybody's just kind of set in their ways. Like, nothing too toxic, but it's just, like, I need more. Exactly, exactly. Okay, interesting. So then you guys ended up coming here. And then how did it go from, okay, we're interning, doing all that, to wanting to then start your own line? I think the starting our own line really came when COVID hit. We were both interning and Tanner wasn't interning. He had a job like staging home, like real estate Uh um, properties. And so I was interning at YSL and COVID hit and we were like, well, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah. We were like just graduating school. We were in our senior year and I was like, I mean, interviewing at different companies ready for a job and everything just went to shit. Hot twist. Yeah. Yeah. So we moved (laughs) home for like a month, month and a half Mm -hmm. and just like pondered what we're going to be doing. (laughs) And while we were home, our creative juices were flowing. We had a lot of unemployment money coming in we were making like more money than ever before (laughs) isn't that funny with like going from the intern or like I was still like I would say like assistant-esque level within the fashion industry when it hit and yeah like sometimes the employment money was better than the minimum wage fashion money Mm -hmm. oh yeah I I was working like like (laughs) two days a week minimum wage and then all of a sudden made tons more in unemployment so it was the perfect time to start a business I saw this one quote recently that was like if rent was lower art would be better and I feel like that's the perfect reflection of that time Mm -hmm. right it was like everyone kind of had that space to like think in different ways as you didn't have so much of that pressure. Even like the pressure. More security. Yeah, yeah. Even less pressure too of like you have to be at XYZ place and networking with these people and like doing all of that. Like creativity ended up flourishing. Right. It really did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so we really just kind of took a leap of faith and started doing uh, like tote bags and some t shirts mm-hmm. and pillows. And Tanner used to have this little company in the high school and middle school called Vintage Twist and he would make his Cute. own little handbags and pouches and pillows oh and my would God, sell I love them it. at yeah. like craft fairs. 
I guess I can let you tell more about it. I mean, it was was pretty much just like a little side thing that I did. I didn't really want like a, you know, a basic job in high school. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to figure out how to make money doing things on my own terms, which is kind of how we both are, uh, essence starting the business. But Uh um, I would really just use a lot of vintage textiles and create uh, like tote bags and pillows and little zipper pouches and really just anything that I could figure out how to make at the time. And it kind of just um, yeah. sparked, I guess, my love of fashion and creativity that way. Um, Every I, time we go back to his hometown, we still see some of the things like at thrift stores or we'll see people wow. carrying it around. It got pretty uh, distributed through our community. So. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty major. <laughs> it was it's nice. so fun. His mom will like pick up anything she sees at the thrift store. So she has like a little collection. She's like archival. Yeah. Yeah. It's archival. Yes. So I feel like that's like what we started with uh-huh. when during COVID. We were like, let's just do this for a little. And because like thing. I knew what what I was doing in terms of making tote bags because like we made everything ourselves at the beginning because factories were shut down we didn't have like resources out there how did you know how to do I mean like yes repurposing the vintage but also I mean so much goes into design work and neither of you guys come from a design background right no both on the business side of fashion okay yeah and interior design really for me is where I started and I finished uh in the interior or sorry in the fashion side but Okay. Kind of a, a good mix of both. So like pulling from there, I okay, that makes sense. I would imagine like a lot of yeah, textile work on Yeah, and like, like a lot of the that. inspiration of the brand is really coming from interiors. But um once we started doing like the smaller totes and all the that stuff, uh we started getting a couple of stockists and people ordering and we're like, Okay, this is interesting. Okay, we could maybe here. make something yeah. out of this. Mm. So then we ended up uh just taking a complete dive in and we're like, okay, we're doing ready to wear. We have no idea what we're doing, but we're going to figure it out. Hell yeah. Why not? No clue. But yeah, that's <laughs> like what sparked us to like create the world of Tanner Fletcher. Like let's start creating a brand mm-hmm. and like who our customer is, what our mission is. Which I want to dive into that. Yeah. Also tell me about the world of Tanner Fletcher. I mean, it's also, it's a namesake label too. Like how are you guys integrating yourself into this? Like what is, what's the whole ethos? I mean, luckily, we have a lot of uh, very similar traits Mm -hmm. and uh, what we like in terms of, like, aesthetic. But we kind of bring to the table a little bit different things, I guess. I'm a little bit more minimal and more maybe, like, classic. Mm -hmm. And Fletcher is a little bit more maximalist, a little bit more, like, boundary pushing, um, maybe a little bit more retro. So we really just kind of, like, blend our our worlds together to create what is Tanner Fletcher today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the brand is a true representation of like almost like the marriage of us coming together. Yeah. And like our personalities and our upbringing and our background and kind of our experiences in the world. It's just like a true reflection of that. (laughs) And we really, we really design 50-50. So there's, you know, each collection, there's like a really nice balance between, you know, the more maximalist, more minimalist, like, we really try and make sure that each of us is really represented. And um, uh, I'm curious about that process too. Like when you yeah. are saying like splitting 50-50, I feel like I always like wonder that when I hear design, like design partners. And I'm like, are you both looking at like one sketch together or is like somebody really owning dresses and someone's owning tops and then you 
trade pieces of paper and you're like, actually, I would switch X, Y, Z. For somebody who doesn't know the design process that in-depthly, what does that look like? It's hectic, to say the least. (laughs) And we don't, like you said, don't come from a design background. We don't even sketch. sketch. Oh my God, yeah. So we like... What do you do? We have our own language, really. I think we just (laughs) know each other really well. Yeah. We find, you know, inspiration in vintage garments and Mm -hmm. vintage interior design you know, all things from past eras. We can take anything, like a coaster. We can get inspiration from it. And it's really just, I don't know, combining each other's likes or dislikes. We really just balance each other out. So mm-hmm. I think the final product, it it tends to be better because it's balanced by both of us. That makes sense. Because I might think, oh, this is a little bit too simple. Or I might make something that he might think, okay, this is a little bit too basic. We need to push ourselves a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. And then it ends up being a better product because of it. Or sometimes he'll do something that's maybe a little bit more over the top. And Uh I'm like, okay, let's rein it down a little bit. You're like, level (laughs) your heads out. But. Uh So it's kind of a nice balancing act. And, um, you know, we split up like a lot of other areas of the business. So like I'm more on like the production and sampling side. So like once we decide on like the final, the final garments that are going to be produced, I kind of just facilitate it and facilitate, you know, what is going to be the inventory on our website and for wholesale partners. But then Fletcher on the other side, while I'm doing that is working on, you know, he's working with our PR, he's working with customers, he's working Mm -hmm. with VICs, uh, the website. We divide and conquer after we've, designed the collection. Okay, yeah. yes. But yeah. at the forefront, it's like fashion's first. But we also designed the collection throughout, like all the way up until the show because, you know, we'll, we'll get something back from the factory and we're like, oh, we should maybe run a little bit more with this concept because it turned out better than we expected. So it's like up until then, Ooh, things are happening. It's so like the collection right now for September, mm-hmm. July now, almost. <laughs> Um, this will be out like August, September. So okay. we'll, we'll so, align. So at yeah. this point, we'll still yes. be making samples and figuring things out up until literally the last week of the, until That's the show. Wild. That, I mean, I can only imagine what your headspace is like at that point. Now I'm, I'm sure already you're like spinning with everything going on. When you are designing that collection, so fashion comes first, all of that. We're really putting in, you know, getting that collection up and ready. Where are you seeking the inspiration for that of, okay, vintage is so important to us, all of that. But do you have, like, where are you curating it all? Private boards on Pinterest. (laughs) Private boards on Pinterest, honestly, yeah. (laughs) Pinterest, eBay, Etsy, garage sales. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll go home and, like, hit up a ton of garage sales in the Midwest. The Midwest is, like, the holy grail of thrifting. It really is. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, So, yeah, we'll constantly be thrifting. We'll, like, find old Victorian garments and kind of take – we'll take a ruffle off of there and say we want to put that here and, like – a cuff here. It's kind of like Frankenstein yeah. vintage pieces and creating a modern yes. a modern look. I think what's kind of different about us compared to maybe some other designers is that we're really not trying to create like these brand new cutting edge silhouettes. Mm-hmm. We're really taking a lot of classic silhouettes that already exist in the world or have already exist maybe, you know, up to even 100 years ago. Right. And bringing kind of a modern touch to them and really infusing our world into these garments that are you know I'd say the majority of our clothes are quite wearable and for sure you know they're pieces that we really try to infuse like um just something very special into each piece we want people to cherish the clothes and we want 
them to be passed down and we want people to like really like spark conversation from the close. So that's something that's that's really important uh, in any collection that we do or really any garment that we put out there. And I think yeah. even increasing more so now, like as we grow the business, we're like, okay, we're not putting anything out there unless it's like checks every single box. Right. Less is more sometimes. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. It also goes back to like what is Tanner Fletcher and some of our main pillars and like mission points are genderless fashion and bringing interiors and wardrobe together. So I feel like the genderless thing is a big deal when I, when we're designing because mm-hmm. we're really creating garments that anybody can wear or it's on like a fluidity scale. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like some of those, like going back to what you're saying about these tried and true silhouettes and like those are the ones, I mean, we're both sitting here wearing a blazer, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, I feel like a lot of those silhouettes that stand the test of time or cross gender lines, like they're doing that for a reason. Not that other things can't by any means, but I always think about that from a, a trend perspective. When there's like a flash in a pan trend and all of a sudden it's like super buzzy and I'll get, so I do consulting with various retailers and they're like, oh my God, should I be buying X, Y, Z? You're like, I mean, yes, but also is it incredibly uncomfortable? What occasions can she like wear that for? Like, is it actually serving a purpose in someone's closet where I think it really does go so much further of, okay, we know that everyone loves a good blazer. How can we then like maximize the blazer and make it the coolest one or the most us as possible? Right. Right. That's really what it is. It's not like a trendy thing. It's Mm -hmm. not saying like, oh, it's a big deal right now, so we're just going to be genderless to fit the trends. It's really just like removing unnecessary labels that kind of get in the way. How are you approaching the genderless label thing? Because it's all like the buzzword lately and this and that, as I'm sure you guys are hearing. And I can only imagine from your perspective of like, okay, we get it, we get it. What's your take on it? Well, I think for us, it's something that has been like, it wasn't even a question when we started the brand. Like Mm -hmm. it was just like assumed that we would do that because we've always shopped between both the men's and the women's department growing up. And Mm -hmm. um, we like to say that we like to take our customer out of a box rather than put them in one. Love that. So it's really important for us to be making change in the industry, not just making beautiful clothes. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of people who can make beautiful clothes, but can they make change and can they tell a story? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. Not a lot of times, no. <laughs> so we're, you know, we really have like a, a mission for greater good to create change in the industry and to make... Mm-hmm you know, genderless fashion more accepted and to make people more embraced. We really want people to embrace their true selves. And we know that if we were to split the categories up to men's and women's right now, we'd probably have more wholesale stores. Uh-huh. We, it would be easier to break in, into the industry, but also we would be just like everybody else and we don't want to do that. No, and and now the, the more validation we get, the more the more people are starting to catch on to the to the genderless concept and realize that's not really going anywhere. No, it's definitely not going anywhere. And I want to circle back to that wholesale question. So basically, if you guys aren't familiar, that means like going through something like a department store or a big nationwide store like that. And typically when you're buying within those categories, it's it's even so specific of a woman's knit top buyer or a men's like woven pants. And it's so hyper specific. So when this question of 
genderless labels come up, a lot of times retailers struggle with, okay, where do we put it on the floor? Whose budget is it coming from? How, what has your guys' experience been with navigating that? Because that was something <laughs> I struggled with um, when sourcing new brands and would be really excited about these concepts and understanding how important it is that it's reflecting society. That's what fashion is. And then you're like, okay, my hands are tied. What do I do? Right. It's it's kind of a difficult place right now because we're disrupting like the analytics of it all because mm-hmm. the classic analytics are men's and women's. Like you said, if there's a men's knitwear buyer versus a women's knitwear buyer, who buys Tanner Fletcher? Right. So it's it's, it's wherever of, you want it, Tanner Fletcher to sit in your store. We should that's, say that we're trying to. Yeah, we're not it. creating a new category. Like no. genderless fashion right. is not a new category. There's obviously men and women still exist. Men and women's fashion still exists. It's really just making it more fluid and taking it out of the box. So, yeah, if a women's mm-hmm. store who carries tons of dresses wants to carry our dresses, then they should just know, okay, our women's buyer buys Tanner Fletcher. Right. That's where it fits in with our customer. Yeah, I like it. I like what you said, too. If, yeah, if you like it, buy it. It works right, for right. customer. Great. It doesn't and, need to be this whole thing. And I think right. everyone, not everyone, because some people do really get it, but uh, – some people are like, oh, well, how does this fit everyone? And we're like, okay, if you were to go to a department store right now and you're a woman and you go to the women's section, does uh-huh. everything fit you? Oh does God. everything look good on you? No, no. I'm like three <laughs> different sizes in the same right. garment yeah. depending on who's making so it. So it's like, the same concept, you know, for us. It's, yeah. You know, it's like Fletcher said, we're a brand with clothing on a spectrum of fluidity mm-hmm. and, you know, we – as much as we'd love to make everybody in the world be able to wear our clothes, it's, you know, that's just not realistic. But right. we want to try and extend our offering to as many people as possible, not just limiting it to, you know, this dress can only be worn by women's or by really women. <laughs> a change in wording. You know, we can still right. create the same things as any other brand. It's just making a broader spectrum. Totally. And I think what's, like, really kept us going you know, on this path, because like I said, it would be easier to just drop the genderless and say, okay, we're a women's brand or we're a men's brand. What's really like solidified what we're doing is the amount of people who feel heard and reach out to us because like they haven't seen anything like this and it makes them feel like they finally have somewhere to shop or somewhere to look up to for inspiration that's, you know, different than the, just the normal. And it, it, it's really touching to us because it's what we really set out to do in the first place. And it's really starting to like, it's really starting to work. Yeah, that's so amazing. And like fashion really should be a reflection of what's going on societally. And like people are looking for like those communities and like being able to build that and offer that is so incredible. Tell me a little bit more about like, yeah, that community building and seeing this all come to fruition as you continue to grow. It's like one of the most important things to us personally, I think, is just building this community. Um, it's really allowing people to feel their authentic selves mm-hmm. and then us surrounding ourselves with those people and then we're able to be our authentic selves. So it's really just, I don't know. We have a no asshole policy. Yes. Uh, is <laughs> Love that. Yes. Very much our thing. If someone doesn't align with our vision, if a store doesn't align with our vision, doesn't treat us with respect, doesn't treat us like human beings mm-hmm. out yeah. in the community. Hell yeah. Get out. Get out. Right. <laughs> fashion was typically quite exclusive. Like, oh, you can't sit with us. Mm-hmm. We're exclusive in the way where it's like everybody can sit with us until you're the mean girl. Then get Right. Out then like, get out. Right. Yo, I so love that. And it's 
you know, and I feel like it, it right, like it, it provides a safe space to be creative, be yourself, and then have it be reflecting back within what you're designing at the end of the day. I also want to know, okay, so you guys setting up, we're talking about Fashion Week right around the corner, new collections coming out. You guys, I feel like, have done such an amazing job with your presentations these past few seasons. Thank like you. the old, the oh, is that this prom night that like it's like very like 50s prom night. How are you guys in like curating that experience from the clothing into how you're showing it and inviting people in and like sharing your art? I think what's really important for us is that we have storytelling that goes along with a collection mm -hmm. because we don't want to just send looks down a runway and then like hope people, you know, make a story about it and like, you know, feel the, the feelings that we're trying to portray. Yeah. I think for us, we're not really trying to make clothes that match a theme. We're trying to infuse our clothes into a mundane situation like spring fling or prom. Yeah. But we're making it extremely exclusive inclusive, sorry, <laughs> inclusive and making it very diverse and making it just ways that kind of bend the traditional norms. Mm -hmm. And it also sparks a, a feeling within, you know, anybody who's attending the show. Yes. For us, it's really nostalgia. We love to spark nostalgia in every way. And I feel like we create scenes or spaces where a lot of people are familiar with in mm -hmm. some sort of way. But like for the Spring Fling or our last collection was Slumber Party, it's like repackaging something that everybody already has preconceived notions about and then making them kind of see it in a new light. Yes. Oh, that's like, so nice. Like Great. we grew up like wanting to have sleepovers with girls because those were our people. <laughs> and <laughs> so our, all of our friends were women. But you know, like in high school that, you know, you have to be separated by boys and girls. You can't do that. And I'm like, right. well, it's probably more trouble if I was having a slumber party with boys. So, <laughs> exactly. Um, like, look at it this way. Right. Bye. Like, so, I remember having a slumber party where I invited all these, all my girlfriends over and some just couldn't come at all. And mm -hmm. some parents had to call my parents and be like, oh, yeah. like, is it okay? Is this, it's like any funny business happening? So it oh like, God. and yeah. you end up feeling bad or like bizarre. I'm like, I, at that age, didn't fully understand, like, what was happening. Oh, so. for sure. Right. I think that, like, bizarre is a great word. Yeah. Yeah. So and it all has to do with gender. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why we really try to, try to do a topic that, you know, can be twisted a little bit into a way that's more progressive. I like that. And both of those, like, with the spring fling and the slumber party, like, those are both so cliche, like, it is this way. Like it is done with a boy asking a girl to the dance and like that's that. We yeah. like flipping it on its head and yeah, evoking all those like warm, fuzzy emotions and the nostalgia that goes with it and like bringing that out to people too. Right. And at the yeah. end of the day, I think the best fashion comes from disruption. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what we're doing. We're doing it in a, I'd say a pretty elegant way. You know, we're not Very causing elegant. a big scene. We're not, you know, doing anything crazy, but we're, we're making people think. And that's, I think, what's most important is that we make, we make people, you know, have a thought about it. In the end, yeah. we're disrupting with like kindness. Yeah, yes. it's not. It's for the greater good. And yeah. like, who can ever get mad at that? Right. Yes, and I feel like it's one of those things too, where it's all about the long game, right? And I think that goes with anything from you know writing articles to designing clothing that you could really dive into just doing the same things over and over and like sticking to the status quo or you could tap in and like what is that unique lens that I'm bringing to this situation and honoring that 
I mean, I'm a believer that it pays off in the long run. Yeah. I guess we're, we're all in it together and we'll all find out. Right. But I, I think so. I think so too. I mean, yes. I just would love to see like in five years or 10 years, like what if we have a much larger budget and reach like what we could do? Because I think that mm -hmm. I think that we could make a lot of change in the industry. Well, with that being said, the Vogue Fund... Congratulations. We're working with CFDI. Like, tell me about this. You guys are in the top 10 right now. And yes. we're going to find out if you are the winners, which, hey, fingers crossed, in October. But I want to hear about this process. Um, for people who aren't familiar, if they're, you know, industry adjacent or outside, what does this whole application process look like? What do you get in the end? Like, what are you guys going through? And right before we hopped on, we were talking about that this was a year-long process, which is like crazy to wrap my mind around. Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit less than that, but it, it probably feels like it. It probably does. <laughs> I mean, hey, with like preparation, brainstorm, all the things. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty intense application, really just going over your past work, your sales figures, your mission, your, you know, so many different assets of the business. And then, uh, you know, we go through, like we went through two different uh rounds mm -hmm. of, and application. of application and made it to the top 10, which we're in now and yes. very, very grateful for the experience. And we're meeting so many other great designers and just people in the industry that, you know, we never would have met if we didn't have this opportunity. So we're just mm -hmm. really grateful for it. And for those of you who don't know, it's the CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund is like a grant competition hybrid yes. situation. And so, yeah, we made it to the top 10 and the final three people are awarded prize money mm -hmm. and mentorship. So those opportunities, if you do win and you do have, you know, more access to funds and like these other people within the industry, like what are some of the things that winners typically do with, you know, those opportunities? I think one of the more immediate things you see is because of the validation, there's maybe more uh, entry into wholesale. Mm -hmm. You know, retailers are, are like, oh, they're validated. So you know, we'll take them in now. Oh, it is such a conversation of like, well, is so-and-so doing it yet? Okay, well, right. we'll do it because they're not doing so it. So that's one of the things. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think just the other thing is just the awareness. The brand awareness is, you know, so important. And especially mm -hmm. as we're trying to build our direct-to-consumer and just really building like a community, it opens a lot of doors, especially with it being Vogue and, a and the CFDA. Right. It just like those are the people that you want uh, – you know, putting your brand out there. Oh, yes. Those are people that you want in your court for sure. So it, it really helps that way. But I mean, you've seen it with like Christopher John Rogers, like how far the brand has come since winning. I mean, countless people, so many of the brands that still exist today have gone through this, whether they've been in the top 10, whether they've won or not. I mean, it's it's crazy what this program can do for a brand. And we were talking with Hillary from Kalina Strada, and mm -hmm. she didn't actually end up winning, which was kind of shocking to me. I was oh, like, yeah. wait a second, you didn't? Um, but no, she didn't make top three at all. But after that, she ended up like blowing up. So it was really interesting to hear kind of what she did and how the fund helped her without winning. It's really like we take away so much no matter what happens. Oh, absolutely. That's so funny you say that. Cause it, I mean, even as someone who is ingrained within it, like, 
naming the winners I do feel like is harder is either way I'm like oh I know like this is a really great new brand like I should be turning my eyes to this or Mm -hmm. what are they doing um and yeah I think like Christopher John Rogers is a great example of that and like the growth is just so incredible to see and it doesn't just come numerically but from just all these different facets right in um, it's really, yeah, so much about like storytelling, which I do also want to touch on some of your guys' growth too with like so many people have been wearing your pieces lately, which congratulations. Like Thank some of you. like Bad Bunny recently, like yeah, that's freaking major. That. Yes, that really is what kind of, I don't want to say like took us off, but it mm-hmm. definitely made people look at us uh, in a new way. <laughs> Well, he wore sure. it for his cover story of Time magazine. So not only was yes. it Bad Bunny, but it was also Time magazine. So it was just a really big pinch me moment. And he wore our bow suit, which has kind of become our the thing that oh, we're yes. known most for. Um, so that just really helped. And we've had tons of bow suit orders ever since then. Hell yeah. And they just keep on coming. <laughs> we love to see it. We yeah. love to see it. And I, going back, like, you know, kicking off this collection, it wasn't so long ago, 2020. What is like no, and it, and it's been like? It's spring, fast. And spring, summer 22 was actually our first launch with Ready to Wear. Wow. So God. it hasn't been that long. No. It feels like it, it's been. Feels like 20 years. But. <laughs> oh, I'm sure with the amount that all goes into it. It's like one of the things that it feels like it's been so long, but also feels so quick at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's it's. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, struggle, maybe that you don't really see on the surface. It's this weird oh, yeah. place that we're in where it's like we have a lot of heads turned towards us and we're growing and growing and growing. But internally, we're like, you know, le- having to learn so quickly and right. make all these decisions and find money from places. Money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest part. So it's like we're having to cater to this very luxurious, you know, group of people and Mm -hmm. be included in that group of people. But then meanwhile, you know, we're like the duck on the surface of the water underneath. We're paddling extremely fast on the top. We're very elegant and poised. Wait, I don't know if we've ever heard that before. (laughs) I don't think I have either. (laughs) No, but that's like a great example because, right, you really – like you want to appear so elegant and like it's fine and we're well versed in this and you should trust us with the money that you're throwing into here. Yeah, right. But yeah, you're learning on your feet. That's I, tough. I don't think people realize how much it costs to c- create a collection. It's no, such an ungodly that. cost. And we're just, you know, like, you know, we're just making it work. We're mm-hmm. we're very scrappy. We're very scrappy. and yeah, As you have to be these days. Every yeah. order that we get from our website goes directly into the business, mm-hmm. of course. And, um, you know, is what really is keeping us going right now is any every direct-to-consumer order we get <laughs> is, you know, such a, such a privilege to us. Oh, for sure. Because uh, it really does go so far. Right. Oh, it's so important. And doing all of this together, I want to dive in a little bit, work-life balance, you know, that myth. But, like, you guys have lived together for so long. You've been friends, partners, like, all these things that you've gone through, like, these different facets of life together. What is it like going through now the business together? It's 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 a lot. I feel like just the <laughs> other day when we celebrated seven years, we had a little, like, teary-eyed moment. We were just, like, reflecting on everything we've been through together and mm-hmm. it's a lot and we don't often I guess reflect on it but I think yeah. I think I, we focus on maybe the negative things or the things there's always something that's going wrong 
But at the same yeah. time, there's always so many things that are going right. And, you know, it's harder to see those things that are going right when, oh, you know. Always, right, the pressure. I think as a couple, it was very, like, expected of us to end up working together. And we kind of mm-hmm. always knew that we wanted to do it, but we didn't expect it to happen so fast and so just, like, abruptly. Right. So it, in the end, it works out really well for us. I think we work together well, but it's been a learning process. We, it's a roller coaster, you know, I'm we go sure. through ups and downs. And every day is so different. Seven. Oh, I, I can only imagine, like, the communication skills that you guys must have with each other. We're getting, we're getting pretty good at communication. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, it's been a work in progress, but I feel like we're learning we have what to. Couples, <laughs> right? Yeah, I feel like we're learning what couples like who have been together twenty years start to learn, and we're just like thrown into everything so together. True. We have. Who knows what we'll be learning when we're like 70, but oh hopefully nothing. Hopefully you guys will have like your PhD in communication by then yeah. and it'll just, you'll be good. We'll be fully enlightened. No, truly. Because I think of like, oh my God, I mean, me trying to talk to men at just on very easy things and it's tough out there. So I can only imagine. <laughs> I think something that I we heard on like a TikTok or something recently that is beneficial and I think anybody can make use of this in a relationship is that you just you both partners say like what percent are you at like I'm at 80 percent today so mm-hmm. if Fletcher's at 20 percent that means that I gotta be a little bit stronger and you pick know up the slack pick up the slack yeah. and then tomorrow it could be the complete opposite ratio or we could both be at 20 and then it's like okay we got to figure it out. Each other. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. If we're both at 20, let's all keep it in mind. I really like that. Yeah. And yeah. we've been, we never really actually say like what percent we're at, but like, it's kind of like a general, like we can tell when someone's not, you know, hundred percent and yeah. it's, you, you then step in and you have to be, you have to be there. Well, Cause at that's... the end of the day, we only have each other, you know, with this business, like right. it's us and you know, we're, we're not going to let the business affect our relationship in a negative way. Well, because honestly, it's it's emotional. It's really deep, like doing this creative work and putting it out there for everybody to see and putting our emotions into the actual creativity. Like, our it's a roller coaster. We're constantly going up and down, oh literally God, in the right. same day. We might have the highest highs and then the lowest lows. So yeah, it's figuring out how to work through that and be happy at the end of the day. For sure. And I love what you said, too, about, like, it's a creative, like, it's art that you guys are doing together. And not to discredit if anybody has, like, a tech business with their significant other, you know what I mean? But you're, like, reaching in, like, building community, pouring your soul into this. Like, it's art. It's also, it has a meaning to it with, you know, bringing in the movements within the fashion industry, too. And, like, that's that's all of it's heavy on its own. So to bring it all together. And at the end of the day you know, we are each our own person still and have our own Mm -hmm. feelings and, uh, you know, ideas. And when each other doesn't like that idea or something, you know, it it creates a little bit of um, turbulence. Yeah. (laughs) Turbulence or like sadness. And totally, that's fair. um, Normally, you know, in that type of situation, if you're feeling that way, you'd go to your partner and talk about it. But we're like, you're the person who's pissing me off. So (laughs) So, like, what do you do? Okay. So what do we do then? We usually just take a moment and Mm -hmm. not try not to react right away. We luckily have a a beautiful outdoor space. So, you know, (laughs) one of us goes and sits outside (laughs) 
and I come back. I think the hardest part is the, like, creative differences, which we're normally on the same yeah, page. It's yeah, it's usually pretty good. It's emotional. That makes sense. What do you – some of you guys – like, what do you guys do within, you know, you need space from – a partner in whatever sense of business or personal. And I think in New York in general, I mean, one for literal space reasons, also two of more figuratively, like there's so much going on. And then, you know, with work, the pressure of constantly like needing to be on the go. And it's so easy to take those things home, especially in this case. What are some things that you guys do to like, I always call it like curate your mindset to like feel, you know, refresh the next day and still be excited about everything. And step away from the pressure and like be finding the pleasure in it all for me in the thick of learning that yeah yeah and this summer is exceptionally uh more challenging because with the cfda and everything you know there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. but for me it's something very simple but taking a bath like every other day at the minimum Mm -hmm. is something that two times a day no that does (laughs) not happen only if i'm sick (laughs) but that's something that's really important to me Mm -hmm. um using Suzanne Kaufman bath oil, uh-huh. putting that out there so you people buy it because it's so good. Oh, my God. Um, okay, I need to try it. Yes, you have to try it. <laughs> so, like, that's something that I do to to kind of unwind. Uh, I don't know. You can say what you do. <laughs> I just do a little bit of everything. I'll journal. I'll read a book. I'll just stare at the wall if I have to. Like, honestly, effective sometimes. Honestly, yes. we it's living in the same apartment working out of the same apartment like having our brand having personal lives having to like clean and cook it's all packaged into the same space so sometimes literally just getting out of the apartment like my sister lives in the city she's been here for like a year so I'll go hang out with her sometimes so yeah it's really getting out of that like I don't know, mindset sometimes. Yes. And it's hard to disconnect. It's so, Especially for me, it's, it's very hard. hard because there's always someone saying something to you, you know, we're running our Instagram. I have to make sure that we're posting enough and, you know, orders comes in, we're packing them and mm-hmm. shipping them. Like, it's just like wow. so much that is constantly on our brains that I think for us now, it's like we have to write down everything because that's the only way that we can keep, yeah, we track. keep track. Oh, I bet. Yes. And like usually I, before that, I would be like, I don't, I, I'll just remember everything. But now it's becoming too many things to remember. Too many things. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> Which is a good thing. Yeah. But right, it's really? also um, just kind of figuring out how to be organized and make make sure that we're not just devoting 100% of our life towards Tanner Fletcher because at the end of the day, it's also Tanner and Fletcher. So Exactly. I like, think we always thought we were both yeah. like organized people or very like work-life balanced, but having been thrown into this, like Tanner Fletcher is our livelihood and it's like we're the yeah. only ones that work there. Right. It's like, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, that's so. like an extra set of pressure. And having been my own boss for years and like, there's always something else that you can be doing. Right. And it's like separating yourself from, okay, like Kendall, that task can just be done tomorrow. Right. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. I think it's especially it's, it's especially stressful when you are providing for yourself and there's there's no check coming in from a employer. So mm-hmm. we're figuring out, we're like, okay, bank account's getting low. We need to figure out how to make money now. <laughs> now, like literally now. <laughs> so it's yeah. just like that constant um I guess, struggle of just keeping going. It's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a grind for sure. It is a grind. It is a grind, but... But we're happy. We love what we're doing. Yeah. And yeah. It's just the way that the world has reacted to it has been 
I mean, very much on our side, even though it, you know, doesn't always feel like it. It's, we're so grateful. Yeah, it's really amazing. And like, all the hard work is absolutely paying off. I'm so excited to see what's next. And with that, we'll close it of any kind of hints at what we can be expecting this fall or into next year or two. You know, we're still kind of figuring out the exact sort of show presentation situation mm-hmm. that we're doing right now. We're keeping it a little bit open for the next, like, couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have <laughs> a little time. We have a little time still, and fashion shows come together very quickly. Yeah, I don't want to give away too much because it could change, like, a million times. <laughs> oh, I'm But sure. you'll see, I think, a little bit more of an elegant side to the brand, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more technical details and just some really great you know textures and like fabrications and techniques that we haven't done before and the feeling from the collection will be like really romantic really nostalgic of course as always but we're leaning extra hard into the the romantic side of the brand because we're kind of realizing that's the direction I think that is really what we love and also what our customers are most interested in. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot, like societally, there's a lot of craving for that, like this elegance and romance. And I feel like kind of right out of COVID, it was very fun, party, like we're really out there enjoying ourselves. And so now there's almost this like refined nature. You're really mm-hmm. like caring for yourself and moving. Like oh, I saw some quote recently about like, moving slowly through and it's very like swan like elegance Mm -hmm. exactly yeah i feel like after covid people are just wanting to like live their lives in a in the way they want to live them in a much Mm -hmm. more curated and aesthetically pleasing way and where it just makes them happy and feel good so that has to do with the romance and the imaging of the world we live in oh it's beautiful it's all a form of self-care truly in itself it is yeah yes definitely amazing guys well i am so excited to see what's next i know it's gonna be absolutely fabulous and thank you so much for joining me thank you and thanks for the support from the beginning of course oh i'm so excited i am such a big fan Thank you so much for your support on the Curated Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on the latest. And in the meantime, give me a follow on TikTok and Instagram for all the happenings in between. I'll see you back here soon.